You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Let's continue on in our series by turning to the book of Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Um, And as you do that, I got a question for you. How many of you would say this morning, how do I want to put this? Um, That you could look back in your history, in your life, and point to something really dumb that you did. Okay, think of it. Think you got it? Okay, go ahead and share that with somebody you don't know. Go ahead. This morning. Find somebody you don't <laughs> find some <laughs> you know, like well, we're gonna find different churches, what we're gonna find. <laughs> find a different... okay. I have come to discover um, in my life, and see if you agree with me. That there's a specific demographic in our culture that is more prone to stupidity than other demographics. And that, that demographic is 15 to 25-year-old males. Hello? Men, how many of you are sitting here today amazed you're still alive after living through 15 to 25? Uh-huh. Uh, ladies, how many of you are surprised you're sitting next to that man this morning? After 15 to 25. So because I'm, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little challenged with intelligence, um, my demographic started at the age of 14, a little bit earlier than the 15 to 25. Uh, in Hawaii, where I grew up, you could get your driver's license at the age of 14. Yeah, marinate on that for a minute. Me, 14 years old with a driver's license. So here, I got my driver's license, right? I ju- I've just received it. And um, at the same time, my father, who had a distributorship, our, my family had a distributorship. We would distribute uh, food, uh, food goods across the islands. And um, he had just purchased a brand new cargo van. It was a brand new Ford cargo van. I could put two pallets inside this bad boy. We thought we were big time, right? And so there's one day dad and I are working together and, and he's really busy, but there's something that needs to be picked up from somebody's house. And so he's like, okay, well, let's go on over there. And I'm all, dad, I got this. I'll drive it myself. He goes, son, he goes, I don't know, man. He goes, you know, the, the driveway into their house, it's really narrow. You can't turn around, and there's like tree branches on either side. And I'm all, Dad, I got this. You know what the problem was? I didn't have nothing. I didn't have this at at all. But so I go ahead, and I drive in the van over there, right? And, And the problem is you can't spin around. So you can go in forward, but to get out, you have to reverse, so I had no problem going forward. I'm, I'm like Dale Earnhardt Jr. I'm so good. I can just drive straight. Problem is, Dale doesn't go in reverse. Did you know that? You look at any NASCAR race. It's only one way. So when I tried to go in reverse, it took like one foot of driving backwards where I heard the sound that haunts me still today. That screeching sound of wood against paint. As this branch starts to like scratch across my dad's brand new Ford cargo van that he loves and adores more than me. And so if I were smart, what would I have done? No, I'm 14. I gun it. In reverse, and all along the entire side of this van is a three inch wide scratch. 
So I realized as I get to the end of the driveway that really I need to start planning for my funeral because I know I'm a dead man, right? But I don't want to die yet. I'm only 14. So I decide I know exactly what I'll do. I'm going to go to the hardware store. You see where this is going. It's nowhere good. I go to the hardware store and I go get a, a, a paint can spray of the closest color that I can find to this van. And I spray a three inch line all the way down the side of the cargo van. And I then proceed to think in my great intelligence, I totally could just get this right by my dad. I'm, he's never going to notice. I get it there and my dad looks at me and I could tell just by the look on his face, he is surprised. I've even been able to live for 14 years, but it was about to come to an end. And I remember that, right? And, and I remember the fear that I had. I remember, I remember the shame that I had. I remember the regret that I had. And I wish, honestly, that that was the only time I ever felt that way. I wish that was the only time I've ever felt that way. You see, because what, what I've come to realize is that if we're not careful, we can be stuck spiritually in that demographic for life. Well, what do you mean, Jeremy? I mean that there's times in our lives where we scratch our lives up by making mistakes, by sinning, by falling short of God's great greatness for us. Maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a behavior, maybe it's a character trait, but it's like we've scratched it up and instead of coming home to God, you know what we do? Is we try to spray paint over it, we try to cover it up. How do we do that? How do we cover it up? I think there's, there's a few different ways that we do that. I think one way that we do that is, is that we try, to, we try to minimize the sin in our life. We try to minimize the scratch. Oh, it's not that bad. Instead of coming home to God with it and, and showing it to him in all its ugliness, right? We, we drive away from him instead of driving towards him. And by, when we do that by minimizing, say it's not that bad. Or you know what we do? We ignore it altogether. I can't see the scratch. I'll just pretend it's not there and no one else will see it. I'll just pretend that the sin doesn't even exist. So we'll minimize it. We'll ignore it. Or worse off, you know what we'll do sometimes is we'll justify it. You know, I would have never had that scratch if that tree branch hadn't been there. I would never have this issue in my life if so-and-so didn't treat me this way. I would never have this sin in my life if, if, if this thing wasn't so available to me. So we minimize, we ignore, or we justify. And what we do when we do that, you know what we're really doing? So we're really admitting we don't really trust the heart of the Father. We're not trusting that all we have to do is come home and that His grace and His goodness and his love for you will cover anything that you've done. Any scratch in your life is covered by the heart of the Father. And in Luke chapter 15, what we're finding here is Jesus is wanting to drive this point home to you and me. He wants us to see clearly, unequivocally, how the heart of the Father is for you. 
And starting in verse 1, let me kind of set this up for you if I can. Jesus is, is speaking to the people before him. And there's this group of people who he deals with a lot. You know who they are, right? The Pharisees, the tax, you know, all these religious uh, leaders, those who are on their high moral horse. Look at verse 15, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Um, it says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. What a cool picture that is. Right? Think about that for a minute. What a great picture that is. All these sinners, all these tax collectors, all these people with scratches in their life have stopped what they're doing just to sit around and hear the words of Jesus. You know what that picture looks like? Us. Today, this morning, right? How many of you still have scratches in your life? Okay, go ahead and convince the person next to you that they have scratches in their life. <laughs> we all have scratches in our lives. But guess what we're doing right now? We're coming around to hear what Jesus has to say about us. What a beautiful picture. But that group of people, they missed the picture altogether. The Pharisees, look at what they say about it in verse 2. It said, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Completely, they have missed the heart of the Father. In the late 1800s, the king of Spain, Alfonso XIX, um, a story is told about him where people in his court came and talked to him, complaining about the young men who were serving him, saying that they were failing to pray before meals. And so King Alfonso decided he's going to kind of teach them a lesson. He holds a, a banquet, a small banquet, and in the middle of the banquet, this beggar walks in. And this beggar just begins to eat whatever food that he can find. He doesn't say anything. He just comes in, eats, and then he exits. And the young men were so indignant. They were saying, I can't believe that beggar came in here, never said a word, and walked right out. So King Alfonso stands up. And how many of you know when the king stands up, everything gets real quiet real quick. And he talked to the young men, and he said, you know what? Every single day you eat at the king's banquet. And every single day the sun rises on you. Every single day, God fills your lungs with air, and yet you fail to thank him for your meal. He says, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You are more ungrateful than that beggar who came in here. What an incredible story that matches, or an analogy that matches what the Pharisees' hearts were. They had forgotten something that every single one of us, there's not one in here, not one, Every single one of us are beggars of grace. We are all beggars of grace. And so Jesus sees this heart attitude and he begins to address it. And he begins to address us about the father's heart. And what he does is he tells three stories. And that's pretty significant. Three stories. Because anytime you read in the Bible where something is repeated three times, it's as though the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to pay attention to this. This is important. Think about different portions of scripture when Isaiah was transported into the throne room of heaven and the angels and the seraphim were all saying what to the Lord? Holy, holy, holy. 
There was something of importance that the Holy Spirit would say to us that we would be cognizant of the holiness of God. Think about Jesus in his interaction with Peter. Remember when Peter denied Jesus? And then Jesus resurrects. He, he encounters Peter at the lake and he asks Peter a question. He says, Peter, do you love me? Then he asked him a second time, didn't he? Do you love me? Then he asks him a third time, do you love me? See, Jesus is trying to get something really important. He's trying to get a point across to Peter that even though you have failed, I'm trying to bring you back into a relationship of love. And so here we are with this, with this situation where people, the Pharisees, are not quite understanding the heart of the Father, so he tells three stories. And the first story he tells is about a lamb. <laughs> that there's 99 sheep and one gets separated and the good shepherd, you know what the good shepherd does? He leaves the 99 and he goes and chases after the one. Because there is value in the one. And then Jesus tells a second story and he increases the value. See, a lamb you could replace pretty easily, but then he starts to tell a story about a coin, a precious coin. This lady lost her coin and she's searching all over the house to try to find it. She finally finds this this coin and there's great rejoicing. That's the second story. And then Jesus takes it to another level. He goes from a, a sheep to a coin to a son to try to express the love of the Father's heart towards us. Theologians say that this parable is the crown jewel and flower of all parables that Jesus told. It's a story that you know, a story I'm sure you're familiar with. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. Would you, if you have not yet, look at verse um, 11 for me. I can't believe I left my glasses on the other side, so I'm going to have to read up here. I can't believe 25 years old and I have to start reading using reading glasses. <laughs> so stop it. Not that funny. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, Jesus continued, there is a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. Stop right there. Be careful. Be careful. Can I give you a warning? Be careful. Because you know what's going to happen right now? How could someone do something like that? I would never do that. How could a son come up to a father and say, Daddy, give me half. I could care less about a relationship with you. I could care less about you and I. What I want is what you got. I would never be that guy. Be careful. Be careful. Then he says this. Next slide, please. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, you've got to understand something about the Jewish culture at that time. To be a Jew and to be in the proximity of swine was as bad as it could possibly be. That is the height of being unclean. And here is this young man. So far gone, 
so unclean that he's waking up and he's finding himself in a place like this. You ever been there? You ever woke up one day after a bad decision? After a dumb moment? How have I gotten to this place? How am I here? I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I used to be a somebody and now I'm a nobody. And when he came, read that with me. Stop. When he came to his senses. Hey, we all got to come to our senses at some point. There has to come a point in our life where we recognize where we are and we come to our senses. And instead of fearing the heart of the Father, we begin to trust the heart of the Father. And he begins to do that now. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up. He went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Listen, listen to the heart of the father here. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. How many have ever felt like that? After what I've done, after how I think, after how my character is, the person that I see in the mirror, I am not worthy of being called your son. I'm not worthy of being called your daughter. You talk about a place of brokenness. This place of brokenness, here comes the place of healing. Where there's this place of loneliness, here comes a place of God's love. But the father said to his servants, quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Oh, that's good. So good. No wonder they call it the crown jewel and flower of all the stories. There's so many things we could pull out of this story. We could, we could pull out things that could keep us here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. You want to? <laughs> so since we don't want to, how about we pick three of them? I can't see them. I need my glasses to see my glasses. I'm done reading now. Chapter 16. (laughs) Thank you, Betty. First thing we want to talk about this morning, write this down if you would. All sin is shocking. Let's go back, let's go back, let's go back. Remember I said be careful. I would never do that. I would never do this. Listen to me. All sin is shocking and we can never forget that. We are all beggars of grace. Here's what we do. Every single one of us, too. There's not one of you in here that doesn't do this. You know what we do? 
is we love to make a mental sin graph. And we rank sin based on our sin graph. Okay, so so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to create a sin graph here. You don't know that you do this, but you do this on the one axis. The Y axis is the offense. Okay, the offense, the thing that we did that was wrong or somebody else that that they did is wrong. Okay, that's the offense. And then on the X axis is our sensitivity. So we have the offense. And then we have the sensitivity in what we feel towards that offense, all right? And, and here's what we find. Thank you, Lisa. Here's what we find. We'll say, let, let, let's take like something we all agree, okay? So on the offenses, you can have like a legal offense, right, or a moral offense. Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll rank a legal offense as much higher than a moral offense. And then we're going to talk about our sensitivity towards that offense. We good? So let's take something of an extreme, one of, the, one of the worst violations of the law that you can have in our country is murder, okay? And we are highly sensitive towards somebody being murdered, so we're going we're gonna to put that way up here, okay? That, 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 there's murder. And, and so when we, if we were ever to come across a murder, just to kind of prove our sensitivity, we would see that, we would probably all scream and run away, right? So let's go to the other end of it. Something that's a moral offense, but maybe we're not so sensitive to it. Like, how about, let, let's just say gossip, Right? It's, it's, it's immoral, but come on, who doesn't really do it, right? I mean, when, when, you, when you go to work tomorrow and everybody's gossiping, you're not going to scream and run away, right? So we might put that somewhere right, right about here. Let, let's say lying. Well, lying, you know, it's, it's not great, you know, especially when it happens to me. But so, so we'll, we'll put that there. Um, you know, what, what about, what about, um, what about racism all the stuff that we see in our country? Well, you know, it's not illegal, but boy, is that immoral and, and man, we're sensitive to it. What about abusing somebody illegal? It's real close. Do you see what we do? We, we start to have this mental sin graph that we create a son who walks up to his dad and says, dad, Give me half. I'm never going to see you again. I don't care about you. You give me half. It's not illegal. But how many of you would say, man, that's highly, highly, I mean, wrong. And then you know what we do with our moral graph, with our sin graph? This is what we begin to do. Lord, I thank you. God, I praise you that I'm not like that murderer. Lord, I thank you I'm not like that abuser. Lord, I thank you I'm not like that racist. Lord, I thank you that my sin is just kind of right over there. Now, the problem is with that? The problem is what Scripture says in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. All of this on this side of the graph is worthy of death. Can I ask you something? What does it matter if you're dying because of something over here or something over here? Be careful. The only one that's outside of this graph. And we're not him. My point is this. Every single one of us are utterly dependent upon grace. And God forgive us if we ever get to a place where we think, man, I'm good enough as I am. 
Are you following me? Because we love comparison. Don't we? Comparison feels good. I'm not as bad as that person. Right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not as bad as them. Thank God I'm right over here. But being right over there in that little quadrant, I'm just as dependent on God's grace as I am anywhere else. Sin is sin is sin, and all sin is shocking in comparison to the holiness of God. Now, here's the second thing. Now, write this one down. Is that one step is all it takes. One step towards God is all that it takes. I love how it says in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, while he was still, you know what that means? That means he hadn't all the way come to the Father. He hadn't, he, this is what he did not do. He didn't wake up and say, well, I got to get my act together. I'm going to fix myself. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to earn God's, my, my Father's love, and then I'm going to come home. He didn't do that. Right where he was at, right that place, he took one step towards home. And one step is all that it takes in the economy of love with the Father's heart. And I say that so, so intentionally this morning because we're people who try to fix ourselves and clean ourselves up before we come home to the Father. And that's backwards. He says, come to me just as you are. Come to me just as you are. And this is what's amazing. Write this down with, with number three. Is that God's love is more scandalous than our sin. God's love is more scandalous than our sin. You got to understand, we don't, we don't quite get the picture yet about the story that Jesus is painting. At that time in Middle Eastern customs, this is how it plays out. This is how it works. The son does something wrong against uh, the father, okay? In the Middle Eastern custom, the son would have to come walk to the father. The father would stand absolutely still, watch his son come to him. The son would come and he would put himself prostrate before his father. He would lay down face first before his father and he would weep and he would cry and he would wail and he would beg for forgiveness and the father would either forgive or not forgive. That was the custom of the day. But that is not the heart of the father. While he was still a long ways off, what did the father do? He ran to him. He threw his arms around his son's neck. He kissed his son. He said, my son was lost, but now he is found. And there was a party that night. Scandalous. A father doesn't do that. But the heart of our Heavenly Father does. What does that tell you? What does that speak to you? What does that say to you? It should say everything. And no matter where you are today, no matter where you are, He's seeing you from a distance. And He's saying, don't just come to me. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Because here's something crazy. Gosh, I wish we could all just really get this. Try to go, let's try this. Close your eyes. I want you to picture God, if you could, in his power and in his glory and in his might and his majesty. Try 
as hard as you can just to get an image of what that looks like. Impossible. I know I'm asking you to do the impossible, but I'm asking you to just try. Now understand this. You have his heart. That's, that's crazy. But it's so true. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have his heart. And some of us in here this morning, some of us here this morning have a decision to make. Am I going to come to my senses and trust the heart of the Father? Or I'm going to pretend and continue to pretend that the scratch in my life isn't there. I'm going to minimize it, justify it, or ignore it. Are you going to come to your senses and realize that the Father is saying, come home, just come home. Please come home. And if we could get this story, if we could get, if we could get what Jesus is saying to us, not once, not twice, but three times, what would that do for your identity? And the shame that you've been carrying. What would that do? So with all eyes closed this morning, I want us to do this for just, for just for a little bit. I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to tell me in this? What are you saying to me personally through the story that Jesus gave us? Let's give the Holy Spirit just a, just a moment to talk to you. different stories yet sharing the same story and I don't know everybody's story but but here's where I know people are at some people some people are those that have never come home to God to, to begin with you've never ever maybe heard of the incredibly scandalous love that God has for you and you've never placed your faith in him and you've never embraced him as father you've never accepted his son Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and, and you've never taken that step and for whatever reason you've never taken that step it doesn't matter because today's a day to come to your senses today's a day to come home and so maybe that's you and so the first step in coming home is just simply receiving grace is simply receiving his love and so with all eyes closed, I'm asking you to take that first step. How do we do that? Just by simply raising your hand and saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm a sinner and I want you to be my king and to be my Lord. If you've never done that, I encourage you right now. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah, I see you and I see you. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you. I see you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Let's pray this all together. God, we know that we're sinners. Lord, we know we've messed up in our life. And we know that we are so far from who we want to be. God, we've got sin in our life. 
We've fallen short of, of all that you've called us to be. But right now, Lord, we're coming to our senses. Right now, we're declaring this together. That you are king. That you are God. And that you are good. And that you sent your son to die for us. And Lord, we receive that by faith. We believe today that your son died for us. And more importantly, that he rose again. He defeated death and he defeated sin. And so we're putting our trust in him. And because of our trust in him, Lord, we're believing today what your word says, that you accept us as new creations, that we have come home to you and that we are yours, that our past is forgiven and our future is secure. God, I pray for all of us in here, especially my friends that, that gave their life to you this morning, God, that today we would declare that this day forward, we are going to live for you. We're dying to who we used to be. We're not always going to get it right. We know that, but your grace is sufficient and we're moving forward with you. And we thank you for that, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, thank you that even right now, there's a celebration occurring in heaven right now because your children have come home to you. Lord, I pray for my friends as well. Those who have been dealing with stuff in their life and they see themselves as nobodies, yet you see them as nobility. God, I pray that they would see in the deepest place of their heart your profound love and grace over them. God, I pray that they would even begin to taste your goodness right now. That anything that they've been carrying of shame, of, 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 of Lord, of self-loathing even. Holy Spirit, right now, we pray you begin to move in their lives right now. We just begin to move. Touch them. Break them, Lord, of that bondage. Lord, I pray that you would speak life and hope and healing and vision and future and victory into their lives. And all God's people said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.